Welcome to the Mentis Podcast. Today we have Charlie Hardage with us, who is the managing partner of H&K Investment Group, also the host of the Passive Investors Playbook podcast. And today we're going to be talking about real estate investing and marketing. Uh, Charlie, thank you for coming on. Yeah, man. Uh, thanks, Nick. Uh, thanks for having me. Really excited to be here. Yeah. So we were talking a little bit before the call about the changing landscape in the marketing field and how everything is kind of uh, you know, trending towards um, obviously digital. I mean, it, it's it's clear that we're all heading towards more and more uh, computer interaction. But is there anything that you can kind of tell us about standing out uh, in the world right now that that maybe people aren't aware of? Yeah. So uh, you know, it, it's interesting, Nick, because as a multifamily syndicator, most people don't know what we do, right? If you're in real estate, you probably heard that term. You still may not know exactly what we do. Um, you know, there's a lot of large institutions that don't do this, right? They, they do 401ks and IRAs and they make money through fees. Um, they, they make money on mutual fund fees, different things like that. But as a multifamily syndicator, it's, it's myself and my partner, and we partner with other people, other teams, other groups, but it's really just a lot of kind of mom and pops doing this. And so in order to get the word out, you gotta, you gotta stand out some way. And I think where we are with technology now, there's so many different ways, so many social media platforms, uh, so many different types of just platforms in general to, to let you kind of stand out. And we have done a number of things over the last 12 months. Uh, you, you mentioned my podcast. Uh, we're recording this in May and it got released at the end of um, April, actually. So it's only a few weeks old. Uh, that's one of the many things that we're doing. YouTube channels, uh, social media, like I said, LinkedIn, Facebook, uh, different things like that. And then we've spent a couple hundred hours just on the website and uh, through active campaign through our CRM to do like a drip campaign. So I'll, I'll kind of pause there and, and see if you want to dig in anywhere. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot to unpack there because I mean, you're, you, you touched on a lot of the things that in the syndication world, really in any business, uh, you got to be on a lot of these platforms. You got to have a CRM that you got to be able to manage your, your touch points. And this could be whether or not we're, uh, we're marketing an apartment to a future tenant or whether we're, uh, trying to reach out to investors to to work with us on our properties. I think it all comes down to making sure that you're delivering your message in a concise way. I think our attention spans are really short today and kind of authenticity because there's just so much. Uh, you know, you kind of talked about doing the the podcast and it's what the form that we're using right now. What kind of drew you to that? I mean, for us, it was the ability to actually have a conversation and, and show who we are and kind of the approach that we're taking towards it. Uh, and, and that way it's, it's giving people access to us. I guess, what was the, what was the draw for the podcast and, and what do you see out of this medium going forward? You know, I, I think it's interesting because I think podcasts were, were kind of big when they first came out, um, you know, years ago. Um, I had listened to bigger pockets, probably hundreds and hundreds of episodes uh, with, with bigger pockets. And then I realized a lot of my friends and, and people I knew had podcasts. I'm like, okay, so I'm just another, I'm just another podcast. You know, why would anyone listen to me? Um, I realized after listening to a, uh, to a podcast actually, um, that someone said, you know, my sphere of influence doesn't know about pod, uh, about real estate investing. 
And that hit me kind of hard because I was like, you know, I, I have a lot of friends, uh, coworkers, uh, family, people I was in the military with that know nothing about real estate investing. And it's just a good way. And, and Nick, you kind of said the word uh, authentic, uh, authenticity. It's, it's a way where you and I, in this case, can have a conversation and, you know, we're not trying to sell something. We're not trying to be cheesy because, you know, it's not a 30 second pitch. It's, you know, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, whatever the time is where you really get to know someone or, or you feel like you get to know someone kind of get to know why they do things, how they do things. Um, and, and for me, it was really just to, for the reason, one of the many reasons I started a podcast was really just to have it on our website. You know, uh, like I said earlier, a lot of the multifamily syndicators that do this are mom and pops. And so you go to their website and they might, may have about me, contact me and our portfolio. And that's kind of it. And I wanted something extra. Uh, so we did articles, um, you know, we're, we're putting the podcast on there as well just so people can go in there and, um, you, you know, you also mentioned a short attention span so they can see a video. Um, you know, maybe they, they don't like the video, so they go to a different video or don't like that. So they go to an article, but just to give them kind of meet them where they are and give them all different types of content uh, in, in ways that they want to learn. Uh, some people like audio uh, books or um, some people like articles. So really just wanted to, to provide a plethora of content that, that we could share with our um, audience, investors, listeners. Makes sense. Seems like, I think that's what, uh, you know, a lot of people are being drawn to uh, with this particular uh, type of platform. I think it makes sense to put it on websites and, and let, let people view it in their own time. Yep. Uh, you know, I think that we found in the real estate space, uh, while there's not a lot of people who do what we, we do, there is a lot of people, um, who, who do have podcasts and are, are sending out similar content. And what are you doing to kind of differentiate yourself so that you're standing out from the crowd and, and getting it to your intended audience? Yeah, great question, Nick. You know, I, I think a lot of the multifamily syndication podcasts that I listen to, a lot of the episodes are kind of geared towards, um, and I won't go too deep in the woods here, but uh, a, a GP or a general partner, is someone that's active in the business, uh, runs the property, underwrites the property, et cetera. Then you have the LPs, the limited partners, and it's a passive investor. And so we pull capital together. You know, there's usually six to 12 of us that kind of run the deal, manage the deal. And then we may have 30 to 100 limited partners, investors that, uh, you know, we all, we pull the money together to buy a large asset. Well, in my podcast, um, you know, it, it's not. A, I'm going to get into the nuance there. So you must be doing 506C raises if you're doing 100 investors. Is that correct? Um, no, we're doing five. Well, um, 506B uh, for the. So most how are part. you getting 100 investors in 506B? Because there's only there's a cap usually of 35 investors on those on those raises. That's uh, sophisticated investors. Uh, so it's unlimited accredited investors. So you have a, so you do a lot of accredited investors. It's, it's that, a, okay. Yeah. That's right. I, I think um, our the last 506B deal we did, I think we only had about seven or eight sophisticated investors. And, and is the reason that you're doing the 506B simply just to get those five or six people in there? It seems like you would have a wider range of advertising opportunities if you went the 506C route. And for those who are listening, the 506B is uh, a regulation from the Securities Exchange Commission that limits uh, people who are selling securities from advertising them. You can't send it out to the world 
uh, it can only go to your to your existing network. Uh, so when he's saying, and Charlie's saying that he's doing a 506B raise, that means he's sending it to his existing network and it must have a, a strong existing network of high net worth individuals because those are people who are accredited. Uh, or they could do a 506C raise, which is uh, what I was asking about, where he's allowed to advertise it to the world. We can advertise our products to the world. Uh, and it's only for individuals who are, are for accredited, which is a million dollar net worth uh, or an income of $250,000 a year as an individual, 350, I think it's 300 or 350,000 as 300. a 300. Uh, 300 as a couple. Uh, and that's got to be kind of the, an expectation that you're going to be doing that into the future. And as far as that million dollar net worth, it has to be excluding the value of your home. So all of that information I just threw out, threw out to you guys, uh, it really makes me wonder, you know, like if, if you guys are just doing it to bring in those seven, that's a really noble thing because you're not able to advertise, uh, you know, your deals as, as far and wide as you typically uh, typically do. So with that, you know, I'll, I'll be quiet here for a second. I'll let you answer. I'm just curious, you know, what was the, what was the approach on that? Yeah, no, great question, Nick. And and I love the um, differentiate, uh, differentiating approach there with the 506B, 506C. Um, you know, when I learned about multifamily syndication years and years ago, I, I, to be honest, I thought it was a scam. I thought it was too, too good to be true. You know, um, th there's not many people that do multifamily syndication. Not, not many people know about it. Everyone knows about IRAs, 401ks, mutual funds, et cetera, but not many people know about multifamily syndication. Um, I, I believe it was 2011, the government changed the, the laws where now um, 506B and, and sophisticated investors were there. So previously you had to be accredited investors. And it kind of opened it up to, I'm going to say common people or, or everyday people like myself that you, you know work hard for the money that don't have millions of dollars and you know several hundred thousand dollars to put into a deal um, multiple times a year. And when, when I learned about this, uh, I was actually in the military at the time, had no money. Um, so I, I wasn't able to invest when I heard about it. But my first um, investment as a limited partner, I was, it, it had such a profound impact on me because I was sick of the stock market. I was sick of my 401ks, IRAs, and I wanted something else. I was a true believer in real estate in general. As I learned more about multifamily syndication, true believer in multifamily and, and how you can scale with that. And so our teams, you know, we, we really want to, in most cases, we do want to provide um, that impact that that we receive to other people, not just accredited investors. And so, um, you know, you don't have to have a net worth of a million dollars. You don't have to make two hundred thousand a year, three thousand hundred uh, combined with your spouse. We want to provide opportunities for people to grow their wealth, and, and so that's primarily why we do five hundred six B. That makes sense. I mean grabbing those few individuals definitely matters, especially if it's friends and family, you know, you really want them to see the power of real estate, the yeah. the income and the depreciation and all the tax benefits that come with it. I totally get uh, doing that. I was just curious because most people uh, who are bringing that number of investors into a deal are typically uh, going to go the 506C route, especially if they're mostly accredited. Yeah. Um, there is like a um, kind of a, a school of thought, if if you will, that uh, there, there is some, there is some pain in bringing in sophisticated investors, and, and that's is. not a, a knock on them. 
it, it just typically, it's a larger percentage of their world. Um, and they're going to be a little bit more concerned about it. They don't want to lose it. They might want to ask a little bit more uh, questions and that'll pull on your time a little bit more. Where somebody on the accredited side, this might be not even an eighth of a percent of their world, yeah. uh, some of these investments. And it, obviously, they're not going to invest as much time uh, kind of monitoring it as as somebody who might be investing 30 or 40 percent. Uh, and, and that's where it really matters that you know who you're investing with and you're you're comfortable giving them that kind of an investment if that's where you sit in the sophisticated world. And again, that, that needs to be checked, of course, with the Securities Exchange Commission. You should definitely read all your documents and hire an attorney and all the rest. Not not saying that you um, should skip any of that, but uh, that that's definitely unique. I, I think a lot of people share the impact side of this. Um, yeah. As far as the, I guess, the social media platforms, our industry is definitely flagged quite a few times for like fair housing stuff. Uh, is there anything that you're doing to like not be, uh, I guess, like taken down, like if, especially on the rental side of this? I know that like maybe shift our head or our mindset here more towards the operation side of the business rather than just giving endless monies to apartment.com or, you know, the the large site, if we're trying to do it ourselves and trying to have a little bit more of a, um, I don't know, more of an edge than just the generic stuff, what do, what can we do on on social media and in other platforms to not be flagged by those uh, fair housing laws? Great, great question. Um, so we are using several of those big name, um, you know, uh, companies that we pay several hundred dollars a month to to. And look, they're effective. They're, they are, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm not saying that's the case. I'm not, you know, encouraging to not use them. I'm just asking sure. if there's. Uh, an additional edge that people are trying to get. You don't want to be flagged. Uh, yeah. is, is there anything that you guys are doing like that? We, uh, a little bit, but we actually let the property management company do all of that. Um, the the fair housing laws, I mean, I, I don't know them nearly as well, probably as I should, to be honest. However, uh, on all of our properties, we hire a property management company that is established, that knows knows the laws backwards and forwards. So, um, you know, we, we defer to them, uh, but we do have some paid ads, um, you know, with these large name companies. And then we have some free, free ads, just social media posts. And, and those are, you know, usually just shared. So we don't ever, uh, we don't ever post, Hey, we have a property that's, that's up for rent, you know, at, at uh, ABC property. We just let the, the, uh, property management do all that for us. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, We'll have to check with some of our property managers to see if uh, there's any additional, you know, tidbits that we can learn. As far as the evolving technology uh, and the kind of onset of, I guess, AI, which is definitely going to be coming in full force here. Uh, I know that we use ChatGPT for a lot of our copy. Uh, it's, you know, you can put together, uh, you know, sentences or uh, buzzwords or whatever we need for marketing portfolios or websites. What are you guys doing uh, to like kind of lean in towards the changes that are coming with AI and make it a tool that can really enhance your business rather than, uh, you know, I guess, leave you behind for the folks that are, aren't using it? Sure. Yeah, great question. Um, the chat GPT. So I, I, I mentioned earlier, I, I wrote a ton of articles, put them on the website for our blog. And we do a drip campaign uh, through our CRM 
So if someone's trying to learn about what we do, we have about, uh, I think it's like 50 emails that we send over a course of six months. We don't want to spam people. Super easy to read articles. Takes only a couple minutes to read them. Um, I did all that before chat GPT, unfortunately. <laughs> so it, it took, uh, took hundreds of hours to, to write, edit all that. Um, but they're, they're very digestible. Um, we use chat GPT a lot for ideas. Um, I know some people use chat GPT to write articles. We don't really do that, but what we use it for is ideas. Um, maybe the best way to say something, or maybe we'll type something up uh, like a LinkedIn post or a Facebook post, put it in chat GPT and, and say, you know, organize this, or what are some ways to write a better hook? So we don't use it uh, to do most of our work, which, you know, maybe we, we need to look at that a little bit more uh, just to see how we can better leverage it. But right now, Nick, what we're primarily using chat GPT for is I, uh, ideas. Um, there's a lot of things that we want to do with a AI, um, like website uh, or uh, chat on our website. I, I know there's AI bots that you can use like um, Amazon has, I think it's called Kendra, um, which kind of gives like a, um, it's kind of like a person on the other end of the chat to answer some uh, FAQs or, or different things like that. So that would be something that we would look at down the road. Uh, right now we're, we're definitely not big enough to, you know, to, to uh, go that route. Um, I think what we're also looking to do is help with underwriting, um, you know, just look at different trends in the market. And uh, we do have a pretty nice underwriting uh, spreadsheet right now, but we, we want to make that just more robust, just to get as precise with the numbers as we can. Um, and I, I think, you know, eventually there's going to be some AI that we could just plug into that to, to help with market trends in, in certain uh, areas. Makes sense. Sounds like, uh, you know, kind of as it as it evolves. I mean, the technology is very new and it's continuing to change a lot. You guys will be paying attention, uh, like I think many many other shops out there are. Uh, I'm definitely interested to see how it shakes up. You know, kind of the existing industry. I think it's going to be, um, you know, I think it's going to be something that actually helps. I, I think a lot of people are a little, you know, the, the fear mongering and, and whatnot that gets more clicks. So people are right. going to click on the, the negative side of things. But um, I think there are going to be some benefits. And, you know, Bing is now, they kind of put out their their new search engine, which is tied to chat GGP. Yeah. And that'll be interesting to see if it pulls any market share away from Google. I think competition is great. I'm not sure I would like Microsoft to have it, but yeah, that's that's for another conversation, you know, but the two giants are going at each other. And that's, that's good. I think that ultimately on our uh, much smaller companies and, um, you know, as far as investors are concerned, there's saved resources there and, and definitely a, a competitive advantage that I think it's going to be, uh, you know, kind of an even playing field, if you will, for kind of some of the smaller folks who are maybe competing against uh, companies that can hire a couple hundred thousand dollars worth of, um, you know, copy and, right. uh, you know, um, you know, emailing and all that type I, of stuff. And it's a good savings. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. I, I, you know, a lot of people are worried that, uh, AI is going to replace all these jobs and it, it may replace some, I don't think it's going to replace a lot, but you know, Nick, to your point, it's, it's a lot of fear mongering. 
Um, I, I think it'll replace maybe some, but I, I think it's also going to create so many more new jobs, new opportunities, but it's only going to do that for people that actually dive into it and understand it well. Um, I came, I, I come from an IT background, IT sales, did that for, for most of my career. Um, I'm not technical, but I, I understand the benefits of AI, understand the benefits of, um, you know, just technology in general. And so it's something that we are uh, definitely looking into. Uh, I, I, I really wish I knew how to code and, and kind of build some of my own software with AI. Um, I don't, and I don't know if I'll ever learn, to be honest, but I think there's, there's even really in the last, um, I guess, chat GPT came out uh, to the masses, I think in November, December of 2022. And there's already been probably hundreds of tools, you know, based off of chat GPT or, or that somehow leveraged chat GPT in only a few months. So I think, you know, in, in two, three years from now, you're going to be able to have these super robust uh, platforms that you can use kind of, you know, a one-stop shop. However, um, only people that, that know about AI will be able to flourish with that because a lot of people are like, eh, I don't get it. I'm not going to look into it and they'll be left behind. Yeah, I, I could see that. But I think there's going to be some really big, there's going to be a money-making opportunity for somebody who makes it really easy. Yeah, it's available yep. to the masses. It, it's very low barrier to entry to, to using it. But even so, I'm sure a lot of people still haven't even been on the website yet. Right. Um, and somebody's going to figure it out. And certainly Google and Microsoft, if you're going to bet on companies to figure it out. Uh, and then, of course, Elon Musk is kind of hinting at doing another kind of AI that's um, pro-human, if you will. And I think yeah. that's that's really good. Anything that he's going to get behind, I think, is also going to be something you got to got to pay attention to but i think overall you know the coding i mean you could ask ask it to code things for you i mean it does take somebody who's technical and a developer who actually knows what they're doing to make sure it's correct and it's giving you the uh the, the information that you want but if you know how to ask it the correct question it'll give you the answer that you want yeah and, it, and it'll code things for you make things for your websites and um it'll be interesting to see how it, how it impacts the marketing field but appreciate you kind of going down that yeah there's a lot of uh, AI out there that's that's even no code now. Um, yeah. And so to your point, you just need to know kind of the buzzwords, the trigger words to to get what you want, what you're looking for. Um, it, what what I do, um, I'm, I'm active on LinkedIn. I actually follow a lot of um, quote unquote influencers that talk about AI. And so they, you know, once a week, they'll do a LinkedIn carousel that talks about free AI tools. Uh, so I'll just go through that list sometimes and, and check them out. Uh, th there's some cool stuff like um, AI voices, human voices, um, you know, and, and so we've done a couple of videos that are um, voiceovers, uh, not not our voice. So it's pretty cool. And, and those are very simple. There's there's a lot more robust tools out there. It's, it's going to be interesting. I think in the future, we're going to have to you know, figure out what's real and what's not. That'll be right. interesting to, I'm sure there's going to be some filter out there to make sure that, you know, we can figure it out, but it'll be interesting. The future is going to get, uh, going to get dynamic. Right. Uh, some people <laughs> call it weird. Maybe some people are scared of it, but it's going to happen regardless. And right. uh, better to pay attention and, and be able to make our own decisions uh, to, to be ahead of it. So, yep. so as far as uh, any other uh 
tips for getting through these challenging times? I mean, obviously, we just, I'm hoping, saw peak interest rates here with the last Fed increase uh, that happened last week. I'm hoping that that kind of is enough and we're, they're going to be done for the rest of the year and inflation will keep coming back down. But if it doesn't, if it remains sticky, uh, you know, what are you guys doing to kind of position yourselves uh, to kind of get through the rest of the the trying times that we're all going through? Yeah, uh, good question. So um, back up a year and a half, closed on two deals within about three weeks of each other. Um, I realized that I'm, I'm good at underwriting, good at analyzing, coming up with a business, pr- uh, business plan. I'm terrible at raising capital. And so with a um, few months later, interest rates went up and they haven't started uh, coming down yet. You know, it's been over a year. And so really we've spent the last 12 months just kind of working on the marketing plan, went from having my CRM be a Google uh, sheet, spreadsheet, and um, gone from that to now posting on LinkedIn almost all the time, podcast, YouTube channel, newsletter, um, the drip campaign I talked about, uh, we've, we've done tons of videos so it's really, it's just kind of right now, because the interest rates are so much higher, a lot of deals aren't cash flowing, uh, or if they do not well, people still want 2021 pricing. Um, you know, there's not been a lot of good deals on the market that I've seen. So we have been kind of working on, on the backend system, the marketing, just to, to make it more of a, an engine, right. Uh, as opposed to the nothing that we had before. So um, that, you know, I do feel like regardless of what you do in multifamily as an active partner, uh, you, you should always be raising capital. So that's something that we, we have uh, been doing. And we're also seeing more, uh, like I said, I, I underwrite deals. I've been seeing a lot more creative deals. And what I mean by that is a lot of people are uh, potentially or, or they're willing to do seller financing now. Whereas a year and a half ago, you ask about that, you'll get laughed at out of town. And now it seems like some, some brokers are actually offering that. Um, you know, Still not seeing too many deals that work with seller financing, but they work a lot better than without seller financing. Um, so we're, we're continuing to underwrite. I, I do think as interest rates have um, you know, they, they skyrocketed last year, this year, they're still going up, but much slower. Um, I, I have seen deals start coming down in value a little bit and, and looking better, seen a little bit more deal flow, but not, not quite where we were a uh, year, year and a half ago. So we are, you know, uh, initially we wanted to get into four deals this year. Um, we don't want to do that unless we can hit the returns. We don't want to just buy a deal just to say, hey, we hit our goal. Um, so we're, we're still looking at deals, still uh, raising capital, working on the podcast, and then um, you know, interested in uh, apartment complexes, uh, apartment complexes, and you know, maybe maybe smaller apartment complexes that we wouldn't have looked at last year. Well, it sounds like regrouping when times get tough, and 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 making sure that you're better for that when you you know, kind of riding the, the hockey stick back yep. up. Uh, that's proven time and time again to be a good idea, and I think regardless of the industry it doesn't matter if we're going to a recession or if the government is screaming, you know, we're, <laughs> we're going to save your life in this direction. They, they're all, it doesn't matter the side that you're on. Washington's not going to come and save us. We're, we just need to take care of business ourselves. 
uh, be aware of what they're doing so that we can uh, make sure that we're playing into those, uh, I guess, changes, maybe if they're taxes or whatever. But uh, by and large, bring it back to the fundamentals and do them well and do them over a long period of time rather than trying to do this fast transaction stuff. Yeah. The families and the individuals and really the institutions that seem to be the most successful have been doing this for a long period of time, have low leverage on their properties and are positioned to weather the storms. So uh, I couldn't agree with more of what with what you guys are doing and, and kind of what you're um, focused on or and kind of how you pivoted this year. So best of luck doing that. Um, certainly good luck with your Passive Investors Playbook podcast. It's a great name. Uh, and if people want to get in touch with you guys and learn more about what you're up to, uh, where can they reach out? Yeah, uh, I'm on LinkedIn, Charles Hardage. Um, I am, uh, you can go to the website, hkigllc.com. And you can um, listen to the, the podcast on Spotify, Apple, Google, all that passive investors playbook. Charlie, I appreciate it. It's been a pleasure talking about today's marketing and uh, kind of some of these challenges that we're going through and uh, wish you guys the best of luck. We'll have to circle back and see how you're doing in the, in the next year or two. Yeah, Nick, thank you so much for having me on. Yep. True pleasure. Thank you. We'll talk soon.